between my initial pancreatitis diagnosis and my surgery was about a year. And I had surgery. As soon as they took my pancreas out of my body, I was diabetic. And that's how I came to have diabetes. Type 3C is what I classify as. My nurse practitioner did some more research and learned about a type of diabetes called MODI, which stands for Maturity Onset Diabetes of the Young. And <laughs> this is a genetic form of diabetes that's caused by a gene mutation. Oh, hi. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Walt Drennan, and you're listening to Ask Me About My Type 1, the Q&A show all about type 1 diabetes. Hello again, type 1s and nuns. Ask Me About My Type 1 is back for week two of National Diabetes Awareness Month. And this time, it's about other forms of diabetes, because the D and that NDAM hashtag getting thrown around all over social media doesn't just stand for type 1. And to help remind me of exactly that, this week, I have on my friends Jen and Kylie, who live with completely different types of the thing we call diabetes, which I was totally unaware of, till the three of us got to sit down and talk about them. Jen lives with type 3C diabetes, while Kylie lives with maturity onset diabetes of the young, or MODI, as it is more widely called, and they joined me this week to tell us what all those letters and numbers mean. It's something that they're already doing on their respective Instagram pages, so I had to have them on the podcast to tell me and all of you listening the important things that we didn't know we didn't know. Because as the world learns more and more about diabetes, we, as the diabetes community, also need to be reminded sometimes that diabetes is more than just the ones and twos. And even beyond that, that there are more people with entirely different experiences and struggles and views on diabetes that we should be aware of and actively including in the greater community conversation. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Now, here's the episode. All right. Hello, Jen and Kylie. Thank you so much for being here with me. Hi. Hi. How, so glad to be here. How's everybody doing? Doing great. It's a little rainy, okay. but you know, overall, it's a good day. It's a yeah. Saturday. Yeah, pretty good Saturday. You know, during COVID, so it's not like there's a ton exactly. to do, but <laughs> there's not a ton. There's not a ton you should be doing. Let's put it that yes, way. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you again. Thank you both for joining me. So let's just get into it. Tell me a little bit more about yourselves, what you're doing, where you are in life, and then also your diagnosis stories. Now, the kind of the running joke on the show is that type ones always go first because that's how numbers work. But since this is a very special episode and you guys don't really have type one, so how would you like to go about this? I'm going to leave it up to you. I can go first. Okay. Yeah. I like that conviction. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also going to suggest, I was also going to suggest alphabetically. So that works too. So yeah, let's go. I like had to go through the alphabet. First name, not last name. Yeah. (laughs) J. K. Okay. We got this. Okay. Yeah. Jen, tell me about yourself. What are you doing in life? Where are you? Who you are? Yeah. I am 30 years old. I just turned 30 a couple days ago, and I live in New Orleans. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, but I've lived in New Orleans for about five years now. I was 
a pretty healthy individual my entire life up until I turned 25 years old. And it was like the month that I turned 25, poop kind of hit the fan and everything kind of started to spiral quickly. Um, I was diagnosed with autoimmune kidney disease and that was kind of the first thing to to start happening. And then it it was like months of trying to figure things out, starting, you know, a lot of medications and trying to get symptoms under control. And then I had a my first diagnose my first real diagnosed episode of pancreatitis. Pancreatitis is when your pancreas gets inflamed. And they thought that it was well, it it this is very simplified because it was like a really long thing. I was in the hospital for like a month of them trying to figure out what was going on. And they, they summed it up to, it was probably a one-time thing. You know, you have a lot going on with your body. You're taking all these new medications. They changed up some things and they're like, they sent me home and said, hopefully it doesn't happen again, but you know, we'll see. It was a very painful experience. I wouldn't wish pancreatitis on my worst enemy. It's, you know, it's something that I can't even put into words how painful it was. Um, I was sent home and then over the course of that year, I kept having episodes of pancreatitis that kept coming back and I kept having to go to the hospital and they did more tests and found out that I had a few genetic mutations causing the pancreatitis. And it was now like a chronic pancreatitis because it wouldn't go away. It wasn't acute being a one-time thing, chronic being, you know, keeps happening. And after finding out that it was genetic, I, you know, met with a few doctors and they all recommended having my pancreas removed, which is, you know, not something that they take lightly because it's not very common to have to do this surgery, but with it being something that wasn't going to go away with it being genetic, they're like, it's not going to stop. It's just going to keep coming back. So you can, you know, stay with what you're doing and hope that you, that it doesn't get worse you know, and also with pancreatitis, you can be at risk for pancreatic cancer if it keeps happening over time. Um, They said I was, you know, low risk for that, but it still scared me. It's like, I don't want to put my body at risk for that. So I was like, let's do it. Let's, I got to move on with my life. I got to improve my quality of life. And so between my initial pancreatitis diagnosis and my surgery was about a year and I had surgery. As soon as they took my pancreas out of my body, I was diabetic. And that's how I came to have diabetes. Type 3C is what I classify as. Type 3C is defined as diabetes that's caused by pancreas injury or disease or removal. So just if something's going on with your pancreas in that manner, then you have type 3C. And that's me, Jen. Okay. And does the C stand for anything or? It doesn't. So I I don't know how type 3C got its name because type 3 is Alzheimer's related diabetes, believe it or not. So I don't know how they got, okay, type 3 is Alzheimer's. Let's make a classification called type 3C where it's pancreas. Like, I feel like, you know, we got all the numbers in the world. Why not just do like one, two, three, four, five? Like, but yeah, I don't know why it's that. And okay. people ask me all the time, is there a 3A and 3B? There actually is, but they're not commonly used. And I, I'm i not comfortable even defining them because 
I don't know what they are, but yeah. they do exist. Okay. They're not used. Yeah, because the way the way you explained it, it made it sound like like an injury. So like if someone took a bat to my stomach and they hit my pancreas and then it like broke, would that be not so much? Yeah. Um, it would be like you know, if, if someone had chronic pancreatitis and their pancreas, um, was damaged from years and years of inflammation, that would be more of what injury. Okay. In that respect. Okay. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. So now Kylie, tell us about your form of diabetes. Also, of course, who you are, where you're at in life, what you're doing, and then also your diagnosis story. Yeah. So I'm Kylie. I'm 27. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina um, with my husband and our two cats and two dogs. I'm a music therapist. So I work with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, as well as people with Alzheimer's and dementia in nursing homes. And I actually own a private practice here in Charlotte, but that's kind of been shut down for a, a bit because of Corona. I had just opened it in January. So kind of sucks, but <laughs> we're trucking on. My diagnosis story is really not dramatic or traumatic like Jen's. Uh, it kind of happened on accident. So my dad has diabetes and his mom also has diabetes. So when I was in the eighth grade, I was sitting on the computer on MySpace probably um, I am my friends on AIM, you know, and my dad came out and he had his meter with him and he was like, I don't like what this meter is telling me. Somebody else let me check their blood sugar so I can see if it's working. And my mom was like, I don't, I don't want to be poked. Like go, go poke Kylie. And so I like hold out my hand. He pokes my finger, checks my blood and my blood sugar was in like the 300s. And <laughs> like, surprise. So yeah, my dad was like, okay, you have to go to the doctor tomorrow. Um, so went to the doctor and of course got tested for type one and didn't really have any antibodies. And they knew that we had a strong family history of diabetes. So initially I just kind of got diagnosed with like a indetermined type of diabetes until my nurse practitioner did some more research and learned about a type of diabetes called MODI, which stands for maturity onset diabetes of the young. And <laughs> this is a genetic form of diabetes that's caused by a gene mutation. So I had to go to like a research hospital and get genetic testing done. And I found out that I have the gene mutation for Modi 3, which there are like up to 15 types of Modi. So, but type 3 is the most common form. And so I have that one. Okay. All right. So yeah, we got a, a, a nice alphabet soup of uh, abbreviations. Yeah. So very cool. Modi 3C. 1, but you know. 1, 2, 3. Exactly. And you two knew each other prior to this like how did you find each other because I feel like the diabetes online community I, I'm not entirely sure if it is dominated by type 1 I it probably just seems like that to me because I have that and that's what I was looking for when I was on there but in terms of how you found each other and how you found how you found people like yourselves how did you two go about doing that Kylie let's start with you we both did a big nod when you said yeah. I feel like the DOC is dominated by type 1 
Well, I had always searched for other people with Modi on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, just trying to find other people like me because I've never met a single other person besides my dad and my grandma. So nobody outside of my family. Um, So I decided just to kind of make my own Instagram and see what happens. And I found Jen, I found a post that she did explaining what type 3C was. And I was like, hey, thanks for sharing this information. I also have a weird type of diabetes. And so we just kind of connected over that. And I think messaged somewhat about how it was so dominated by people with type one. And I don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing that it's dominated by type one because we're so rare that it's, it's not like our representation is just because we don't exist. And I, I found like when I started my Instagram account, I was just looking to follow diabetics. You know, I liked Mm -hmm. the content. I liked seeing, you know, people posting about their blood sugars. I was like, I, I, finding people to relate to just from the diabetes aspect was really cool to me. So some of like the bigger creators, I, you know, was following on my personal page. And then I wanted a space that it was like, this is where my diabetes stuff is. So I started posting and soon realized I was like, it would, it would be cool to spread awareness for my type. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I don't, I don't know any, anyone else with my type. So it would be kind of cool if I could just let other people know about it. And then I started using hashtags as crazy as that sounds, it works mm-hmm. and people find me and people will message me and be like, I have never met anyone else who's had a pancreatectomy. I've never met anyone else who talks about it. So like, thank you for doing that, which means like the absolute world to me. And also I have been able to connect with a lot of people. I probably know about 30 people now just on Instagram alone that have had my surgery as well. And there's more of us out there. I know that because there are Facebook groups with more people, but you know, the Instagram community, I feel like is more like a younger type of Mm -hmm. crowd and Facebook's maybe a little bit older, but it's been really cool to, to make new friends and I've had fun with it. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of hit a point. I think the diabetes online community probably is maybe more type 1 dominant because of how much younger we probably were when we were diagnosed. Or again, that's not the case all the time because like, you know, you can be diagnosed with it in your 50s. Uh I was diagnosed when I was 12. So that was 20 years ago now. And while Instagram and social media as as we know it today didn't exist back then, as we grew up, we have these things. And people that are diagnosed now today have these things right off the bat. And I feel like a lot of people say when they're first diagnosed today, Instagram is one of the first places they start looking for people like them. Mm-hmm. So I can see how maybe type one is more represented in the DOC just because we're kind of the type of people that automatically use social media more. Type yeah, twos are sure. type twos are you know generally typically older and probably more on Facebook than you know the they are yeah exactly <laughs> and so yeah so that is very interesting and the reason why I wanted to have you two on here especially this month is to explore the nuances of diabetes because diabetes is pretty you know there's a lot of people with diabetes but type 3c and and type modi within that group is very small and so Mm -hmm. I think you're right that there isn't a whole lot of representation for people like you because 
they probably maybe don't think that there are other people like you because there's all these type ones. And it's like, why even try kind of thing? And I think that's what mm-hmm. I did for a very long time. I felt like I was the only one out there because I was the only type one I knew. And then like I start, you know, did a Facebook search and all these groups pop up and then all these Instagram pages pop up. So it's really interesting hearing that from you guys. And so Kylie, was that similar thing for you? Did you start hashtagging or because again, you two have very different types of diabetes? Yeah. So I think I, once I finally kind of decided to take my diabetes seriously and not pretend like, oh, I don't actually have diabetes, um, is when I started trying to just find groups to join and places to see what other people with diabetes were doing and people to connect with. I started that on like Facebook and Reddit, I think, and then kind of went into Instagram from there. And then on my personal page started following people and yeah, and then decided to make my own Instagram specifically for diabetes. And yeah, I think I just started hashtagging Modi and I let some people know in like a Modi Facebook group that I made the account. And so, yeah, people find me. Um, People will thank me for making the account. I get like one message a week from people asking if I think they have Modi. (laughs) So that's kind of fun because like, I don't do genetic testing over Instagram. So maybe you should go to the doctor. (laughs) I'm like, uh, does your mom or dad have diabetes? Um, that might be a good sign, but you should probably ask your doctor. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And you said that Kylie, you said that you had it in your family. Do they have Modi like you do, or is it just? So I'm not sure that they've gotten the genetic testing, but the assumption now that I have the genetic testing that proves that I have that mutation, it kind of proves that they also have that because it's so genetic that it has to be passed down through family members. So every time a person with Modi has a child, it has a 50% chance of also having diabetes. So like my grandma, I don't know past her who had diabetes or if anybody, but so she had diabetes. She had two kids. One of them has diabetes. My dad had two kids. I had diabetes. So yeah, very genetic. Does that make you nervous about having kids at all? Oh yeah. That's a a whole, whole thing that I definitely think about a lot because I do want to have kids. And then, then there's a lot of guilt about I know my, my parents didn't know my grandma didn't know. And I, I know that I can pass this on and that it's a 50% chance. So Um, I also have the same thing because my pancreatitis mm -hmm. is due to genetic mutation. So, and I have the cystic fibrosis gene mutation, which is one of the mutations that causes pancreatitis. Mm -hmm. So if my husband also has that mutation, our child will 100% have cystic fibrosis. So we're definitely going to do a lot of testing before doing our family planning route. But yeah, it's scary for sure. Yeah. I I try to think it's, I, I like being alive and I like my life even with diabetes. So yeah, yeah, that is something I don't type one is, you know, very different. And the thing that I keep on hearing about with type one is that if if you're a male and you have kids, the kids have a higher percentage chance of getting type one themselves. It's very kind of like murky and there's not, I don't know if there's a, an exact percentage, like you guys are like almost very definitively. And that's something that kind of reminds me of that discussion that I've had. And it is really concerning because like we're relatively young. Like we don't, people our age that don't deal with these things don't have to think about this stuff. 
and it is I don't know it's a really weird place to be in I think that kind of goes on to my next question how did you guys feel growing up or I, I guess Kylie you had it you've had it for a bit longer how do you feel kind of relative to the people around you so like your peer groups and stuff like that how do you feel having this thing that is even rare within the rare group that it belongs to like how have you dealt with that how have you gone through it like what do you do with those feelings if you have them I think I spent all my teenage years and then definitely my college years, like I said, kind of in denial and just kind of pretending like I didn't have diabetes, especially because with Modi um, in the beginning for me, I was able to take oral medication. So, you know, I just woke up in the morning, took my pills and then did whatever I wanted and pretended like I didn't have diabetes, would not check my blood sugar. So obviously I didn't want to be different and I didn't want to have this thing that made me different. And I think as I've gotten older and now I'm embracing it and I'm really trying to embrace that that makes me different and enjoy that that makes me different. But yeah, as a kid and in college, I avoided it at all costs. (laughs) What about you, Jen? How long ago were you? I had my surgery when I was 26. Yeah, I was 26. So, you know, I didn't have that period of, you know, I've heard a lot of people say when they were teenagers or when their kids were teenagers that they went through this phase of denial and not caring. I don't know if you went through that, Walt, but I've heard that that is, that's common. So I didn't have to necessarily go through that. I was thrown into diabetes just as anyone else is thrown in. I knew it was coming, which is something that a lot of people don't don't experience. So I was able to prepare as much as I could as far as educating myself. But it got to a point where I was like, I can't teach myself this until it's happening. Like I can't, I can't know about how carbs are going to affect me until I'm in it. You know what I mean? So I tried to start memorizing carb counts and things like that. But until it was, it was go time and my surgery was done. I didn't, I feel like I actually kind of didn't care. Like I was like, I'm just going to deal with it when it comes because I don't like, I didn't understand what I was reading. I, it, it didn't make sense to me because, you know, like reading about boluses and basils and all these words that I'd never heard of in my life. I was like, I don't know what any of this means. So let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah, your story is really interesting because you were a type nun. That's what I call, you know, people without diabetes on the show. You were a type nun that knew diabetes was coming Mm -hmm. and you were trying to educate yourself on it and try to get ready for it. And you kind of kind of hit the nail on the head. If you don't have it, it's very hard to get yourself into that mindset. And that's something that I've learned over the course of the show is that you really can't unless you live with it. You can't really understand it to the point that we do. You can try very hard and it's very nice when people try to make those efforts. But again, it's like, it's just something that you're not going to get until you have to. Jen, are there any other people like yourself that you found, you, you found before all this happened? So I, there is someone actually, it's funny that you say that. So there's one girl that I knew before I had this surgery that had had the same surgery and we grew up together. We were on the same swim team growing up and you know, we hadn't talked for quite a few years. We didn't go to school together. We just, you know, knew each other through swim. And then I saw one day on Facebook that she posted something that was like, as you all know, I had my pancreas removed last year. And I was like, hold on, you what? 
because I'm about to have that same surgery in a few months. So I messaged her and I, cause she's from Cincinnati too. So, and I was having my surgery in Cincinnati. So I was like, she's 100% had the surgery with the same surgeon because there's only one guy that does it. So I sent her a message. I said, Hey, like what's been going on with you? Because I think I'm dealing with the same exact thing. So we were able to talk and she was an amazing resource for me because I, you know, was going into something very unexpected, not unexpected, but like, I didn't know anything and I didn't know anyone who knew anything. So she was great and kind of preparing me as much as she could for what to expect. Now, looking back, she and I had two very different experiences. Uh, she faced a lot of complications after surgery. So I prepared myself for a lot of complications and I actually didn't have many, uh, which I'm very thankful for, but I was kind of preparing for the worst and it ended up being a little bit better. So I guess that's, that's a, a good way to look at it. But yeah, she was able to, you know, show me her Dexcom and her insulin pump and, you know, show me all the technology that I could expect. And I got really excited about that. I, as soon as I had my surgery, I was like, hook me up with a Dexcom. Like, I don't want to prick my finger. Let's do it. So, but that's not how it works. You have to like, you know, insurance and data and all that. But, and my, my grandmother who passed away a couple of years ago had type two diabetes. So my mom helped her manage that. So my mom knew the basics as far as like insulin dosing and supplies and what, what we needed to have on hand. But obviously type two is very different from type one, type three C, you know, they're every type of diabetes has their differences. So we were as prepared as we could have been, but I, I mean, I felt prepared. It, it wasn't, wasn't the best experience, but I, I was ready. Yeah. It's something that I hear on the show a lot from people that are diagnosed after the age of 18. So like as adults, it is a very unique experience. Cause like I had it when I was 12 and kind of growing up with it, you asked if I had any kind of burnout or like episodes where I completely denied it and try to not take care of it. Um, I don't think I ever did specifically, but I, I think, but it had a lot to do with my symptoms. So like when my blood sugar is high, it hurts a lot and I get very irritable. So it's like, it's not a place I want to be in. And, and it's not something that I could be in long enough to get used to. So like, I basically had to take care of myself if I didn't want to hate my life. So my, I think my spats of burnout were very like small, but like short, but like they kind of happen a lot as opposed to people that like throw the towel in and just pretend that they don't have it for, you know, some people do it for years until it catches up with them. But yeah, so yeah, very interesting stories. So the show is all about the questions that people ask us about, specifically about type one. But since you guys have very different forms of diabetes, what are the questions that you get asked the most? Um, what are the good questions? What are the bad questions? What are the questions that make you want to punch people in the face? Any, like anything goes like, and also who are the people asking? So like, I would assume a lot of people that just don't have diabetes and don't know anything about it. But also like, do you get any questions from type ones or type twos that like, kind of like make you scratch your head or like make you, um, I don't know, angry or annoyed where the questions come into, into your diabetes and how you explain it to people? So I think I mostly probably get a lot of the same questions that people with type one get, you know, the 
did you eat too much sugar as a kid? And it's like, um, no, that's not how diabetes works. I get asked a lot if I'm type one, um, just because I'm not older and I don't have those risk factors, um, that can cause type two. Um, so I, I'm constantly explaining, oh, I'm diabetic. No, I'm not type one. No, I'm not type two. Here's, here's my spiel about that. You can hopefully understand about what Modi is. So yeah, I think I get kind of the similar questions that people with type one get. Um, and then I get a lot of good questions from people with type one. You know, what does Modi stand for? What's your treatment? People have been really curious since I've started trying to inform people about what Modi is. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah. And then I also, you, you also call it diabetes or being diabetic, where I don't like that word at all. Like, I've said it more on the show than I ever had, like, in the 17 years before I started started it. And it, obviously, because, you know, that's what it is. But I always dislike the connotation that it comes with, I think. Um, so I'm always calling it type one. So, like, I have to catch myself now because, especially in this conversation, but that is very, that's a good thing to hear, I guess. And it's um, obviously, it's something that I have to get over. But and also, I guess, a question that for you two, but first, Jen, what are the questions that you get a lot? Yeah, the question that I get the most often is I'll say like, oh, I had my pancreas removed and people will say, you can live without a pancreas? I'm like, yes, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm a ghost and I don't exist. So yeah, you can live without a pancreas. People will ask me, how is it different than type one or type two, uh, which is, it's an interesting question because it's not very different from type one in, in terms of treatment because someone with type one has no functioning beta cells. Someone with no pancreas has no functioning beta cells. So, you know, we are both 100% insulin dependent. Where it gets tricky is someone without a pancreas doesn't have alpha cells. So alpha cells are what produce the glucagon that can prevent big swings in your blood sugar and brittle diabetes. So I don't have alpha cells, so I'm more prone to having those big swings. Luckily, I, I am under pretty good control, I feel like. And I, I mean, I do from time to time have these big swings and I'm like, cool, like this, it is what it is. This is going to be a bad day. But working with my endocrinologist, finding what works for me in terms of basal rates and getting those things under control quickly, I've, I've come to, uh, to have pretty good grasp on it. And in terms of like questions that make me angry or, you know, there's none. Like you can ask me anything. I will never get mad. I will never think you're ignorant. Any question is a good question. Um, the only ignorance that I experience is a lot of times people will knowingly be like, my pancreas is useless. My pancreas is dead. My pancreas this, my pancreas that. And like, it's not because when you don't have it at all, you can't understand, I mean, just like someone without diabetes can't understand diabetes. If you don't have a pain or if you have a pancreas, you you don't know what happens if it's gone. So something that I haven't touched on yet in this conversation with y'all is also something that comes with having no pancreas and having type 3C is I have to supplement my digestive enzymes because your pancreas is mostly responsible for producing these enzymes, it's 95% of the pancreas function is exocrine, which is digestive, and 5% is endocrine. So the majority of the function of the pancreas is going to be digestion, which people don't realize. They think, oh, pancreas, insulin. Yes, obviously, but that's not, not even its biggest role. 
so when people say oh my pancreas is dead my pancreas is useless it's absolutely not with type 1 and i wish more people knew that i don't blame people for not knowing that because it's not talked about doctors don't talk about it i've heard people say like oh my doctor told me that it was dead i'm like they shouldn't have said that (laughs) yeah that's the only thing that i think of that comes to mind yeah there is a it's a a running joke i guess in the type 1 world Mm -hmm. specifically where it's like oh i've got i've got a bum pancreas or it's it doesn't do anything anymore but then i saw she's a health coach she has type 1 but she was like very like deliberate was like actually no your pancreas does a lot more than just make insulin but i never really thought about it from the perspective of people that just don't have them um Mm -hmm. but yeah so that is something worth noting and worth knowing too because i think type ones or anybody with like a chronic illness kind of prides themselves on knowing a lot more about their body than the average person but even even though i've had to like take care of my pancreas or like take on a role that it usually does with other people uh for 20 years i still don't know everything that it does and i'm not even entirely i don't have like the details like medical details of what insulin does in my body or like why it does why i feel the way i do when certain things happen but yeah, there are, there are those things that are just, it's not quite right, but like it's a very common misconception, which is funny because like diabetes is often criticized for like very misconceived notions and like people don't understand it. So they, they make inappropriate, not inappropriate, but maybe just like, you know, thoughtless jokes and stuff like that. And it's something that the type one community is very, you know, you know, up at arms about sometimes, especially if it like gets a lot of media attention, but we do it too. So like there's a lot of there's a lot of learning that can go around. So that's really good to hear from you guys. And then going back to the, like what you call diabetes, like, so like I said, I don't like the word diabetes. I've never liked it. It's always one of those words that like has a very rough connotation, especially just kind of in in general public. Like when they hear it, they have a very like, you know, almost automatic idea of what that means. So I use type one, like all the time, but you guys, as in being type threes, type three C and type Modi three, what do you think about the term type three in that it's not somebody that has diabetes, but it's somebody that cares for a type or a type one? Because I've never personally, I've never liked it just because I think it's confusing. Like my whole like thing with the show is trying to educate people that don't have diabetes or type one so that they can understand the nuances of it and like understand what it means to live with it as opposed to just kind of like listening to the jokes and just kind of like internalizing them as fact. So it's confusing to them. It makes it seem like it's a different type of diabetes altogether. And so what do you guys think about those words? Because again, it's something that you are actually labeled and termed. So what do you guys think about the use of that term for people that actually don't have diabetes? I remember, uh, you look really confused, Kylie. I remember seeing this term for the first time on Instagram. Some uh, A diabetes account made shirts that said type 3 diabetic, or it said type 3 a diabetes support friend, or I don't remember exactly what it said. And I, I was like, I messaged the person and I said, Hey, you know what, this is, it's going to just spread mass and massive misinformation because type three is a real type of diabetes and it doesn't make any sense to do this, especially if you are someone who wants to spread awareness and spread education and you know teach people about diabetes this is the worst way to go about it yeah i'm sorry i guess i just assumed that you guys knew what that was kylie did have you not heard that term type three no i had never heard that term that's why my i was like what what is this phrase you're using so i had never heard it to be offended or not offended by it 
Yeah, that's so how offended are you now? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, kind of like how Jen said, it's a person that cares for a person with type one, I think specifically type one, just because I think it was coined by the type one community, um, or people within it to make them feel, I think, included. So like the type three is a person like a spouse or a boyfriend or like a sibling or a parent. And they care for and support you through your type one. So like they're in it to get they're in it with you. They don't have it, but like they kind of have it. So type three. Again, I never liked it because it's very confusing. It can make it seem like it's more than it actually is uh, when supporting a person living with type one is like its own thing. Like it can, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have your own like designation within the diabetes, like, you know, spectrum. And I've always thought of diabetes, especially like the more we learn about it, it is a very spectral kind of disorder. So like the, we need, we need to save all the numbers we can. So like we can actually <laughs> give it to the people that have the diabetes as opposed to people that are, that are very, you know, well-intentioned and caring for it. So yeah, I think it's just a part in a way to make them included. But now, having learned that, what do you? What are your feelings on it? Yeah, I think it's just so obvious that that phrase comes from people having absolutely no idea that there are more than two types of diabetes. That's just kind of how clear that makes that to me. <laughs> like reiterates to me that people have no idea that I exist, no idea that Jen exists, and so they've come up with this. We're type three, and it's not even somebody who's diabetic. And it's kind of like, hey, wait, like there are more of us, and we have that. Well, I don't have the three besides that it's Modi Modi type three, but yeah. So I'm not like horribly offended by it. It just kind of makes that very clear. Yeah, I don't get. I'm I'm not offended by it either. I don't. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't make me feel like I don't exist. It's more of, uh, it depends on how you want to approach the situation when you find out this information, when you find out that, that three exists, that you find out that there are more types of diabetes, what do you do with that information? Do you use it and teach other people what you just learned? Or do you pretend like you didn't hear it and continue using these terms? I think that's what, what the biggest part of that is. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so in terms of questions that you, uh, so when you two met, what were the questions that you were asking each other? Um, because again, yours is a very specific type of diabetes. So I think like when type ones get together, it's like the, I think the link, the lingo that we share is very common to like go over. Um, it's not always like the conversations don't always revolve around diabetes, but I feel like since you two are so, are very like, they're your minorities within an, a, a minority already, what are your kind of diabetes conversations like amongst each other? So like not you amongst yourselves and then also like peop other people with Modi. Like what are the things that you guys talk about in terms of your diabetes? So as far as I think one of Jen and I's first conversations was about kind of the stigma that people with type 1 have about people with type 2 and how that can actually be kind of hurtful to people like us who aren't type one, because it can make it seem like people with type one are very elitist and like better than anyone else with diabetes. And we had kind of chatted about that. And we both have actually felt a ton of support from the type one community, but seeing people be offended because somebody didn't understand that type one and two were different or people claiming that like people with type two have it so much easier and like just stuff like that can be kind of hurtful for us. And so I think that was one of our first conversations. 
And then as far as conversations that I have with other people with Modi, it's a lot about how it can be really tough for us to get treatment and to get things like a Dexcom or to get insurance to want to cover things for us because Modi is classified for some reason as uncomplicated diabetes, whatever that means, what diabetes is uncomplicated. But so I get a lot of messages about how difficult it can be to get a CGM or to get the correct treatment. What about you, Jen? Yeah, for sure. I was trying to think of what I could add to what we talked about in our first conversation. Yeah, there's definitely a, I guess, a stigma between type one and type two that people hear type two, or people with type one, if they get misinterpreted, if people think that they're type two, if they think that they ate too much sugar or they, you know, or whatever stereotypes there are out there for type two, if people apply those to someone with type one, they get really offended. And then those same type ones will go and post about, you know, how their pancreas is dead, or they'll, they'll use misinformation while also getting mad at other people who use misinformation. There's just not really a, there's a disconnect there. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, preach about how important it is to be informed, then you also need to be informed. And if if you're not and you make a mistake, that's totally fine. Like we can't everyone cannot know everything. But if you if you do learn, like I said before, if you learn about it, then you have to apply that to, you know, practice what you preach kind of thing. And then in terms of what I talk about with fellow type three C's, you know, most of my friends who have type 3C are also people who have had the same surgery as I've had, the total pancreatectomy. And I feel like most of us talk about the difficulties that we face post-surgery because this surgery is a really intense surgery. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go get my appendix out. It's, it's a long, long recovery, like years and years and years. So I am about three and a half years post-op. And I'm still not, I wouldn't say I'm like back to normal or that I, you know, feel completely 100% confident in what I'm doing. I definitely feel better than I did, you know, three years ago. But I feel like uh, me and my fellow type three C's talk about, you know, just every day is different. So we'll, we'll message each other and be like, anybody else forget their enzymes today? And, you know, I'm facing this digestive issue or I'm facing this blood sugar issue. and we kind of just bounce what's happening to us off of each other just to find someone to relate to because we don't, you know, we don't have thousands of type ones to relate to. It's we have 20 people to relate to and we just have to utilize each other as best as we can. Can I add for something that I talk to about, I don't know why I just thought of this, but another thing that comes up a lot that a lot of people Um, I've connected with and have connected with me about is people with Modi don't feel diabetic enough. And it's something I've talked about a few times and that other people are like, yes, yes. Like I know exactly what you mean. And so being that kind of in between or like different type of diabetes, especially with Modi, because it can be treated with oral medication a lot. And so you're not dealing with at sometimes insulin and having to take shots and do stuff like that. Um, So you're kind of this outside person, like looking at these people deal with that and then feeling like, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not diabetic enough. So they're not gonna care about (laughs) 
which is wild. Like if you're yeah. diabetic, diabetic, I don't think you need like which he said now, now, but not it's not like the worst. I don't know. That's crazy to me. Yeah, but it's something that a lot of I've mentioned and a lot of other people with Modi have just been like, yeah, yep, that's exactly what I feel. And is that something that you get from the community or is it something that is maybe more internal? Where does, where do you think that come that like that thought? Where does that come from? Totally internal for me. Just, nobody's told me that. I've never had anyone be like, well, you're not really diabetic. I think, yeah, it just comes from kind of not fitting in. And so then I was like, well, I'm just, I'm not really. So that's also goes into, like I said, me ignoring my diabetes and pretending like I didn't have it because, you know, I just, I wasn't that diabetic. <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can when you see like thousands and thousands of like Instagram accounts or just people in general doing kind of very similar things that are like very different from what you're doing, it can make you think I can see where those feelings might crop up. It's like, oh, maybe I'm not as much as they are or like I'm different. I'm so different from them that like I don't have what they have. Yeah. And so now that I'm on insulin, I feel like a real diabetic, which makes no sense. Like I've always, I've had diabetes for like 14 years now. <laughs> If anyone ever tells you that you're not diabetic enough, just send them my way. Okay. <laughs> that goes to the listeners too. Yes. <laughs> and I guess that, that does kind of bring up something that I wanted to ask you about. So I feel like I was, for a very long time, I was one of those people that resented the type two community or like people with type two, because as I was growing up, it kind of like, it wasn't, I don't think I was ever told this like outright, but like I just picked it up from like, you know, social, not social media, but like just pop culture and like society in general, that type two was the kind of diabetes that you gave yourself. Like you just, you messed up and you got it because you didn't exercise enough. You ate all the bad stuff. It was also one that you could like reverse or cure, you know, like, you know, in quotes. And it's something that I had, like, it was a resentment that I kept to myself. It's not like I had anybody to talk to about it. And also because of how, like, to me, it seemed that type 2 was just overrepresented in everything. So, like, whenever I would see, like, an article about, like, oh, a, t a diabetes cure, I would read it. And it's, like, automatically, it was, like, the first few sentences, it was type 2. It was, like, oh, I can't read this. Like, this doesn't apply to me at all. So, for me, I was always very, like, adamant about making that distinction about how I'm different from type 2s because, like, because of how, what they did to themselves. I had no control over this and they do and they have it because they did something to themselves and like that's obviously incorrect. And over the years, I've learned again that there's a lot more genetics involved into with it and it's not even necessarily curable or reversible. I had I read this recently, a very like apt kind of description of it. It's more like alcoholism. So like you can definitely get healthier and not have to deal with all the symptoms of having like uncontrolled high blood sugars but you still have diabetes. It's like, if you stop taking taking care of yourself, it'll come back. So like the way an alcoholic is still an alcoholic, even if they've been sober for like, you know, 10, 20 years, they can still get worse. They can still get sick. So they're still always sick. It's just living a healthier lifestyle will keep them healthy and keep it, make it so that they don't have to, you know, address those symptoms, those negative symptoms. And again, it's, it's, very similar to type one. It can be diagnosed in just about anybody. Like there's genetic factors, like some people are more predisposed to it than others. So with that being said, are there any resentments that you two specifically might have maybe towards the type one or type two communities, given that they, I feel like they do probably in your, from your perspective, dominate the conversation more so than uh, diabetes, like Modi diabetes or type three C. Are there any resentments like that? Or like, have you gotten through them? Or like, where, where do you sit on that? So 
I'm definitely, I'm pretty passionate about trying to break that stigma of type two being you caused it yourself and people with other types of like, that's the bad type that you did. You did a wrong bad thing and you got diabetes because I actually felt way more connected to the type two community for so much of my life because I was taking medication and I was having to eat the same diet as them. I was really, that was where people that I felt like were going through the same thing as me were. It was the type two community. So now that I'm kind of more connected to the type one community, I'm pretty passionate about trying to like break that. We need to get these ideas out of our heads. We all have diabetes. It's all different. If you and I are adding to that, or if we are so offended, if somebody thinks you have type two, you're just adding to that stigma and making it worse for yourself. So I guess if I felt resentment, it was, it would have been because people with type one were so offended when they thought when somebody thought they had type two or people don't know the difference. Um, And then I used to feel, I don't feel this anymore, but I used to feel resentment when people with type one would say things like, oh, people with type two have it easier. Because for me, it didn't feel easier because people with type one get told, oh, you can eat whatever you want. You just have to dose for it. Whereas I was taking five pills a day and eating meat and cheese. I was living on meat and cheese. And I couldn't eat anything. And I was like, this is not easier than just, you know, giving myself a shot. Like I'm still dealing with high and low blood sugar, but I can't eat anything. So now that I can eat food again and (laughs) I am taking insulin, I don't feel that resentment. But those were kind of my feelings around that. Yeah. Hanger induced resentment. And then also, I think, (laughs) yeah, you're just hungry all the time. And I think it's also pretty smart to be resent to resent resentment itself. So like that's, you know, it's a good thing probably. But yeah, so you were keto before it was cool. Yeah, and I never was like trying to be keto. It was just kind of what I could be. (laughs) And what about you, Jen? So yeah, so I feel my resentment mostly lies with diabetes organizations. And I know that diabetes organizations are a hot topic right now because of the insulin affordability issue and taking taking money from insulin manufacturers. My resentment is for that, obviously, but more so with the fact that it's type one and type two. That's mm-hmm. what they that's who they talk about. That's who, you know, they claim to, you know, speak for and there's little to no conversation about other types ever. And when you're diagnosed with um, Modi or type 3C or one of these less common types and you go to find information about your type of diabetes and these huge organizations that have all this money out there aren't talking about you, it's it's a little bit hurtful. You're like, why why isn't there information? Why isn't there research? Why is no one looking into this? Why is no one talking about it? Um, Because we exist. And I think way more people exist than we think, because just from starting on social media alone, I've met all of these new people who also feel the same way. We're like, you know, where do we find information about what we're going through? And, you know, I know that when it comes to more rare types of diabetes, harder to research those things you know when you have a huge pool of people to research it becomes a lot easier to find subjects to look at and things like that so i understand that that part of it but even just talking about it and saying this exists like 
I remember when I first had my surgery and I remember going to Beyond Type 1's website and they did have a, a spot on their website where they talked about other types of diabetes and I wasn't on there. And I sent them an email and I was like, I would just appreciate if you would put type 3C on your, on your site and it's still not there. Yeah, I think That's I remember that article and it, it's type two, type one, type two, gestational and LADA. And I always thought that was like, oh my God, that's great. Like, you know, they're getting more, you know, types of diabetes out there. And again, I'm sure you're clearly, you're not the only person out there, but it's probably been going on for a lot longer too. And in Kylie, it sounds like it's been in your family for generations at this point. And you're the first person that I've ever heard of having Modi. And when I was at first reaching out to both of you, I thought you guys had the same diabetes. Little did I know that it's just kind of like the world's apart that it is. If you were, so during this month of diabetes awareness, what would you like people to know about maybe your diabetes specifically or just diabetes in general, like how it's more, you know, there's more to it than just the ones and twos. What do you want people to know? Hmm. I guess for me, yeah, I'm just trying to teach people that there's more than two types and it's not just one and two and there's a lot more to it. I don't know if Jen has more to add to that. With me personally, with having type 3C, I just want people to know how much the pancreas does for you in terms of function. And I, you know, I know I touched on that earlier, but that's just what's been most important to me in terms of what I use my social media for and what I try to put out there in terms of information. I just want people to know that your pancreas it does a lot for you. And if you didn't have it, you would really miss it. Good to know. Because I miss mine a lot a every lot. day. <laughs> so given you've had this for about three years now, Jen and Kyle, you've been doing it for longer, but are there any organizations that deal specifically with your conditions or is it just not even a thing? There's like a, the National Pancreas Foundation that does, you know, speak more openly about pancreas conditions. That's really the only one that pops into my head of ones that I've seen that share stories of people that are dealing with similar things to me. But I'm actually trying to work with an organization right now to, to write an article for them, just, you know, doing what I can to put more information out there. I feel an obligation to do so because I do have a platform and I do have a voice and I am eager to spread more information. So I'm just going to keep shouting it from the rooftop until someone, someone pushes me off, I guess. I don't think there are any specific Modi groups at all. I mean, not that I've found. I think the, what's the big research, diabetes research hospital in Chicago? Um, the cool, so I, I would say it wrong, but there's, um, like a research hospital that does a lot of diabetes research up there and they do a lot of monogenic and Modi research, but that's all I can think of. Yeah. We don't really have a specific organization out there advocating for us. I think I read a statistic today that said that 80% of people who actually have Modi are probably misdiagnosed as type one or two. So I was yeah. going to ask you, I wrote down a question for you. I, I wrote down, why are more people tested for it? Because doctors just don't even know about it. People don't know about it. I think what I've learned about Modi has been mostly my own internet research. Mm -hmm. Like I've never had a doctor who really, an endocrinologist, a doctor who 
really knew all that much. My endo now is pretty good. He'll, he'll go and find articles and research things, but, but yeah, I think doctors just don't know. And so if it's a young person, they just get diagnosed as type one and then sent on their way. And if they're any older, um, then they get diagnosed as type two and sent on their way. And <laughs> there's just no question. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but, but yeah. Yeah. I think they're, you know, within the diabetes community, there is a lot of realization that, you know, doctors, great, they do great work and stuff like that. But there's also like very serious lacking uh, from like just overall education and like the knowledge of these very specific kinds of things um, that can happen. So it's really difficult trying to like get in front of something that doesn't really happen a whole lot, but does happen to people uh, like Kylie and her family. So yeah, it's a very weird position to be in. Did you guys have any questions for each other? Like I said, that I I like wrote down things. Yeah, for her. Uh, I put like why aren't more people tested? I know that you said that you just started insulin recently. What made you have to make that jump from oral medication to insulin? Yes, not in control or what? So the way that my Modi works is it's progressive, and so the gene mutation just kind of makes the beta cells over time, just like kind of not be able to secrete insulin as well. So they're still there. They're not dead. They just aren't able to do their job because the gene is just not telling them to do it correctly. So I actually switched just because my husband and I, you know, we're thinking about having kids in the future and the oral type two medication isn't really approved or studied for pregnancy at all. So I just kind of wanted to make the switch and just be ready for when that does happen. So that's why I switched to insulin, but I've talked about it before about how I've actually realized I'm a much happier and <laughs> um, I'm much happier and just living a better life actually being on insulin versus when I was on pills. And that's not how it is for everyone with Modi. A lot of people with Modi can still eat a lot more food than I was able to eat and just take the pills and not deal with a lot of blood sugar fluctuation. But that was not what was happening in my case. So yeah, but yeah, so I initially made the switch just for future family opportunity. That's all I have for questions for you. Yeah, I think the question that I had thought of for you, you kind of already answered. I was going to ask about how you felt about when people said their pancreas was dead or useless, because I know that there's other things your pancreas does. So mm -hmm. we already got into that a little bit. Yeah, I have feelings on that. <laughs> Kylie, so you were never on insulin up until recently. So what were your sugars like? And but But you still had to restrict your food like very heavily. So like... Was that sugar related or another thing entirely? Was that, I'm sorry, so, sugar? So, oh, blood sugar related. Uh, right. Yeah. So was it because your sugars were so high when you ate like a, a bite of bread or something like that? Because, you know, the reason why people do keto is because there's a lot less carbs in it. Um, yes. And cheese and meat don't have as many carbs as, you know, <laughs> the sandwich that they can be in. But, um, or why only now? So yeah, I was was dealing with really high fasting sugars. I was waking up over 150, closer to like 200 every day, and then just not coming down until like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And I would drink just coffee in the morning and would spike up to 250 and not understand why a hard-boiled egg and coffee 
was doing that. Like, you know, I'm doing everything right. I'm eating low carb. I'm taking my medicine. Why am I still spiking? But I, my A1C was fine probably because I was eating such a restricted diet, but I noticed that those numbers were high and that it wasn't where I wanted to be. I mean, if it's been progressive, it's, it's probably been fine five years ago because now it's. Mm -hmm. So, and my dad is still just on oral medication and he just exercises, eats, you know, moderately low carb and takes his medicine and exercises. And he has a great A1C and he's doing awesome. My grandma didn't switch to insulin until she was a lot older, like in her seventies, I think. So I think we're all just so different. And I don't know if mine just progressed faster. Maybe I, I developed it younger. I don't really know why we're so different. Just my experience. (laughs) And then like during this month of diabetes awareness, what would you guys like to, I guess, see in the community and also do... How have you felt about, I guess, Diabetes Month? Like, Jen, you've been doing it for a few, or you've been, you know, aware of it probably for a few years now, and Kylie, a little bit longer than that. But is there anything, like, do you have any feelings about it? Like, do you participate in anything? Like, what, where do, where do you guys sit on Diabetes Awareness Month as it is now? I mean, I think that Diabetes Awareness Month isn't type one awareness month. I think it's, it's just put it out there, all diabetes. So I do participate in just talking about my type specifically and trying to use that time because I know that I remember looking at my analytics on Instagram and who was looking at my posts, you know, in terms of numbers of people seeing my posts during Diabetes Awareness Month. And I was having a lot more people seeing my posts. So I was like, I need to take advantage of this because people are looking at these diabetes hashtags. And I even like I'll put type one diabetes hashtags on my post, even though I don't have type one diabetes, but because I want people looking at a type one diabetes hashtag page to see my post so they can, you know, use that information, which I don't know if that's appropriate to do or not, but we'll be the I, same thing. Yeah. I still I'm not trying type one and type two because mm-hmm. I want people with type one and type two to also see my posts yeah. Um, because yeah, there's not that many of us with Emodeon. Yeah. If I just type <laughs> I'd probably get like seven people seeing my post. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's probably, probably good that we do know these things. Cause again, it's like, you guys are a small group within an already small group. So it's kind of, it's very interesting for me specifically learning all the nuances and differences of diabetes, something that I've had for, you know, 20 years now. Kylie, what about you? What are your feelings on diabetes awareness month? Um, you know, I'm not sure I really knew much about it or did anything about it until probably last year or the year before would have been the first time that I made a post that was like, oh, it's Diabetes Awareness Month and I have this type of diabetes. So it's all kind of new to me, but I think it's a great opportunity to advocate for there's more than two types and to teach people about those types. Yeah, I guess I'm coming from it as being like, you know, di- it is Diabetes Awareness Month. It's not type one awareness month or anything or type two even but for me it's very much linked to the type one community so yeah it is smart I think it's it would be smart for all of us to realize that there's more than just the ones and twos anything else you guys would like to cover or bring up or anything you haven't been able to say I I think I said everything that I wrote down as far as yeah I I, I was gonna say I did write down that I think with social media growing so much over the last 10 years, I am hopeful that 
this will help with representation of different types being represented more in traditional media. Like, I'm just hopeful that that's the direction that we're going to go, you know, because if you just look from 10 years ago from now, there was probably not much even about type one or, you know, anything like that. So I think that it, we can only hope that it's going to get better in terms of that. I would just love if there was like a Us Weekly article about type 3C or something. So like <laughs> more people would see it, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. But it would be cool if it did someday. Avicii or someone passed away a few years ago, and I think that he had pancreatitis. I was like, pancreatitis, let's talk about it. Let's go. I'm sure I'll think of something, you know, in the middle of the night, I'll wake up and um, have a panic attack about not talking about something. But right now I feel pretty good about our conversation and feel like we covered everything. Okay. So now that we're kind of winding down, what would you two say to your, to yourself back when you were first diagnosed, having, you know, been through all the years of your specific forms of diabetes, what would you tell yourselves back then? Do you think? I know for a fact that I would tell myself that it gets easier and that's so corny and cheesy, but it's crazy to me thinking about the months that I went through right after my surgery and being diagnosed. It was so difficult figuring out how carbs affected my body, how insulin worked with my body and getting on a pump and getting on a Dexcom. It was all everything happening at once and trying to memorize carbs and now it is so second nature to me and it's so like oh you know i know how many carbs are in that just by looking at it and i don't have to like google every single thing that i eat and it's it's become so much more manageable and i i hate to say it's easier but it is easier because i it's just second nature to me now i'm still in the googling everything i eat phase um <laughs> I mean, most of the time it's like a, a guessing game and I'm like, if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, you know, we'll deal with it when it happens. Yeah. Cause I guess Kylie, you're starting to carb count or you're, or I guess maybe factoring in insulin into the carb counting or is that kind of, what, what is that like now? So, um, before, uh, I was on insulin, I knew, I mean, I knew what was high carb and low carb. And so I knew kind of, these are the low carb things I could eat, but I wasn't having to specifically know there are 15 carbs in this thing. And so now I'm having to do that with every meal, especially cause I've added carbs back into my diet. And so, yeah, I have to, I'm doing lots of Googling and apps and stuff like that. <laughs> It's kind of like being newly diagnosed again. Exactly. I've had to kind of relearn or learn a lot of stuff. So so in a few years, you're going to look back and be like, it's second nature now because it's, it's, <laughs> that has it's, not many carbs in it's it. something that you just, you know, you don't have to look up every single thing anymore. I'm not saying that I don't still have to look some things up because I do, but it, it's not every single thing anymore. Yeah, I got into a habit of just looking at a plate and knowing how much to dose. So like not even how many carbs are in it. It's like, oh, that looks like a five plate or that looks like a 10 plate. <laughs> it got me in trouble a lot of times. So now I'm starting to like get back into the habit of like checking carbs and like thinking about it. But yeah, it is. It's a very ebb and flow kind of thing. It's, you know, with time, things get you get better at doing the things that you need to do. But Kylie, what would you say to your post diagnosis self back then? It really all goes back to that you are diabetic enough. Um, you do need to focus on your health and take care of your diabetes. And it's okay 
that you have this thing that makes you different, really. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all I had. Those are all my questions. Um, any final thoughts or anything you'd like to leave the people with? Nuggets of wisdom or things that you want them to know? Um, I feel like I've put out there, I mean, pretty much your pancreas isn't dead. what I would like people to know, but something else is kind of referring back to there's no stupid questions. You know, you're only as ignorant as you want to be. Like if, if you know something and you still like, if you know your pancreas isn't dead and you still say it, like that's, that's the thing. That's when it hits me. Like, why are you doing that? Because you know, a, a 15 year old could see your Instagram page and think that it's cool that their favorite diabetes influencer is saying these things and then adapt that to themselves. Like these people with a lot of followers have people that look up to them. So I think that those people need to really take on that responsibility and realize that they do have people looking up to them and, and use their platforms for education even if that's not what they originally intended to do they still have that responsibility and even me I have like 2,000 followers and I still feel a responsibility to make sure that I'm you know fact checking everything that I post that I'm listing sources if I take information from other places and yeah just you know be smart about what you're posting and remember that we exist over here us little types of diabetes exist and we're watching you. <laughs> Very hard. Kind of. <laughs> Kylie, anything that you would like to say? Yeah, just final thought. Since there are like 15 different types of Modi, just want to put out there that I don't represent all the types and that I know that Modi 3 is totally and completely different than Modi 2. And so if you ever meet someone else, with Modi and you're like, but that's not what Kylie said. <laughs> Just know that I'm very specific um, in my experience. And, that and I think that's pretty true of any type of diabetes. Like even if you're speaking on type one, the way that you treat your type one is not going to be the same way that Joe next door treats his type one or any type of diabetes. So, you know, it's, I think that anyone has to keep that in mind with hearing oh, anything yeah. about it. Yeah, I think it is important to acknowledge the distinctions, but not be defined by them. Like, we're not all against each other. It's not like teams or For it's sure. not, it's not a team sport. We all just have mm -hmm. different types of diabetes, and acknowledging that they exist is probably a good first step, especially okay. especially in, like, you know, our society where that's been, like, just dominated by type 1 and type 2 for so long. That's really the only thing that people know about diabetes, people in the community and people outside of it. It's a great time of year, I guess, but you should be doing this every day, just kind of like re like learning about the different types and finding these people and acknowledging what they go through and how it's different, but also how it's kind of the same, like what we go through. I agree. Uh, well, thank you both so much for joining me today. That was awesome. I had so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having us, for inviting us on. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for bye. having us. Thank you. And that's the episode. For more on all things Type 3C and Modi 3, be sure to follow these two on Instagram. You can find Jen at Jen Has Diabetes and Kylie at My Life with Modi. Because even those of us who live with diabetes, no matter what the type, aren't going to know everything about it. So we should make the effort to be more aware of the entirety of the community and what the experiences of others can teach us about our own. And what better time of year to do that than now? I think in the end it's about putting in the effort to make everyone feel accepted and welcome because diabetes is hard enough as it is.
no matter what your type. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you listen to this from. Follow the Ask Me About My Type 1 Instagram page where you can get updates on episodes and check out the official Ask Me About My Type 1 merch store. You can also share on social media when you listen to the podcast or send your favorite episodes to friends, family, or just about anyone you think needs to learn a little bit more about what living with type 1 is actually like. All these things really do help the podcast get noticed and heard so that more type 1s and nuns like you can join in on the conversation. Oh, and quit saying your pancreas is dead. Unless, of course, you've had it removed. Till next week. Bye.